Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for Paul. We thank you for the message that you've laid on his heart. We thank you for uh, his willingness and his ability to share that good news, your word, for us today. So, Lord, anoint him now, bless him, speak through him, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Right, I need, uh, I need a prop, so I've just got to nip behind this curtain, okay? Not be long. Watch, I'll not be... Oh, there we go. Ooh. Who's who's nicked me stuff? It was just there. I'm not joking. Seriously. (laughs) Somebody's moved me props. Who's going to own up? There were two there, and they've gone. Oh... Has anybody got a torch? I'm not kidding. Somebody's, I put them here to use and somebody's shifting them. I need some light. There were two beach balls and somebody's moved them. If I could have a light, that would be helpful. This is good, isn't it? Uh, okay, what can we do? Keep me entertained. What? No, I need a torch, seriously. They were just there. Where are they? Oh, we found them. Yes. If I can get them. Oh, there's one. Can you get that one? Well done, Terry. Teamwork. Okay, we got there in the end. Whew. Global reach. That's what we're talking about this morning. So what we're going to do to start with, that's a globe. One this side, one that side. We know what we do on the beach, just simply pass it among yourselves. Try and keep it in the air. What's wrong with the world, mama? People living like they ain't got no mamas. I think the whole world's addicted to the drama. Hey, you're not very good. I would hate to go to the beach with some of you, you can keep it in the air. In the USA, the big CIA, the blood and the crips and the KKK. But if you only have love for your own race, keep it going, keep it going. See how long we can keep it in the air. Only generates hate, and when you hate, then you're bound to get irate. You're getting better, you're getting better. That's exactly how anger works and operates. Man, you gotta have love to set this side's not as good as this side. Come on. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all, y'all. Well, you got better near the end. If you want to bring them back and just place them on the front so then we can keep a focus that it's a global reach. Thanks, Gary. I tell you what, I want not to go to the beach with some of you. You weren't very good. <laughs> were you? Maybe it's because you've not got your shorts on. Right, global reach. 
That's what we're talking about this morning. It's Micah chapter 5, and it's verses 1 to 6 that we, we, we focus in on. That was a good bit of fun. But the thing is, you may say to me, well, how do we have a global reach? How do we reach the world? Simply this, to reach it, you have to touch it. Hence, we had the game. Not everybody touched the world. Some of you did, some of you didn't. Some of you would have not touched it because you chose not to touch it. Some of you would have not touched it simply because it didn't come your way. But the thing is, to reach the world, you have to touch it. Some of us do just watch. Some of us do just spectate. We don't always get involved. We don't touch it. Well, how do we touch it? Well, there's various ways we can touch the world. We can touch it by prayer. Hence, we touch it in spirit. We can all tell stories of the power of prayer and give examples of powerful things that have happened in our lives or in other people's lives. We can touch it physically and we can touch it practically by getting involved in projects, by, if you like, rolling our sleeves up and getting our hands dirty. By giving, we can think of various things, M10, Aquila, Christian aid, missionary work, toy boxes that we do, the uh, little gift boxes that we do at Christmas, loads of different things where we can get involved and touch the world. How do we reach it? It's quite simple, really. We do it by being normal. We do it by being ourselves. We do it by touching, by impacting on people's lives and people's situations. We also do it by church goals. We do it through touching people by welcoming, by nurturing, by serving, by building, by persevering, by reaching. Now, normally when Jill's singing with a worship band, I drop her off, then I have a cheeky little treat, and I nip down to McDonald's and have my breakfast. And I was sat in McDonald's this morning having my breakfast, and all of a sudden, Coca-Cola came into my mind. I'm not a big Coca-Cola drinker, but it came into my mind. And I thought, I'm going to have a look at their mission statement. And I had a look at the mission statement for Coca-Cola. And there were some very surprising things in there. To refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. It's a pretty good mission for a church. Never mind a fizzy drink. To create value and make a difference. Be a responsible global citizen who makes that difference. That's a good one. Be a responsible global citizen who makes a difference. Here's my, one of my favorites. Be real. Be real. And another one was be committed in heart and mind. And that's for a fizzy drink. So how much more committed should we be with our mission? Of course, global, for a global reach, we've got modern technology. Yeah? If you're like me, you're not very technical. Uh, so I rely on my grown-up children to help me. But we have the internet, we have TV, we have media. But what I would say, personally, about all that good stuff where we can reach people... My thing to say is this, it's brill, it's good, it's fantastic, it helps us reach people 
globally and locally, but don't lose the intimacy of the human touch. Because people are more important than vision. It's a bit of a bold statement, but people are more important than vision. So to be global, we need to be local. All outreach starts locally, and it all has the potential to become global. All ministries begin locally and have the potential to become global as well. Now we get to the reading for this morning. This is what it says. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth from of old from everlasting. Now, I don't know how you've come to church this morning. Perhaps you've come feeling like life has passed you by. I don't know. Or you might feel this morning that life is actually passing you by as we uh, speak. You may feel like you're a bit of an also-run. You may feel that you've been put on the shelf. You may feel that you've been thrust to one side and, and you've perhaps been forgotten. You may feel that the power and the pace of life, as it surges onwards sometimes, it, it sometimes feels like we're a bit of a casualty, that we're insignificant, that we're not really of much use anymore. We're no longer walking, as it were, in corridors of power. Uh, or even in a position sometimes, we're not even in a position to make the smallest of decisions in the world in which we live. We may feel that we're in the backwater of life. We may feel that we're a non-entity and that we have been shelved by the world. We may even feel that we've never ever been took off that shelf. And you know, it's, that's not just a feeling for us as we mature as we get older, that's a feeling that any of us can have, young or old. The sense of uselessness, sense of hiddenness, the sense of frustration, the sense of being overlooked, the sense of being unknown, the sense of being has-beens, never-beens, worthless. Do we ever feel like that? What value am I? Am I of any use? Well, I've got some good news for you this morning. If we feel like that this morning, if you feel like that, then take note again of this text because it's a good text. It's a powerful text. Because when we read it, we should be encouraged because it says, but though, that's you, though you be little, yet out of thee. That means out of you. Though you are little. It should do us good to read those words of Scripture. It should lift our heads. Sometimes we walk around and our heads are down. We need to be walking around with our heads up and held high. It gets rid, this Scripture gets rid of negative thinking. It frees us. It rids us of discouragement. It can help with depression. It can help with self-pity. And the thing is, this Scripture is a great Advent verse because 600 years or so before the actual birth of Christ, 
and the prophet Micah tells us how it's going to be. And this is what he says. The Savior is going to be born. The Christ, the Messiah, God's Son. And where? Well, surprise, surprise. It's not in the capital city, Jerusalem, where it's all happening and anybody who's anybody lives. It's where all the best parties are. It's not in a place of beauty or excellence. It's not in a place that has historical acclaim. It's not in the corridors of power. It's not even at the royal palace where you would expect somebody to be groomed and prominent and have privilege. It's not even in a place that would even be noticed. It's not even in a place of religious power, the temple. No, it's in Bethlehem. Bethlehem? Where's that? Oh, yeah, it's that little place. It's, it's in the back of beyond, you know, that one-horse town. It's a bit sheltered. You know, it's, it's, it's still living in the past. They've never moved on. They've never moved forward. They've never moved with the times. They keep dreaming about King David off the beaten track. You know, it's, it's got one synagogue. It's got three shops. It's got one takeaway. Do you know, it's not even got a pub. But it's got one in. But it's, you know, it's, it's just a little place. It's got no political or strategic importance. <clears throat> in fact, it's got no human significance. No, Micah, Micah, I think you've got it wrong. <clears throat> you've got to be wrong. God wouldn't look at a place like that. He wouldn't even choose a place like that. It's the last place on earth that God created. And I think he forgot to finish it. Bethlehem? You've got to be joking. How often do we talk like that? How often <clears throat> do we think like that? It seems to me that we don't always learn our lesson, do we? It's the one lesson we never learn. Because what we do is we look through the eyes of man and of men and we assess and analyze and calculate. We get our humanistic measuring tapes out and we come to situations and we come to people and we say oh yeah 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 well God might be saying this God might be saying that but actually I'm starting to look at it from a human point of view and oh yeah, this guy don't measure up does he or this lady don't measure up or this situation don't measure up and we start to analyze it and look at it through our eyes and not through God's and it is a lesson we never learn. We get into the world's way of thinking. <clears throat> and sometimes, I think we probably do, fall into the trap. We watch these films and we fall into the trap where we picture God on the side and we think, oh, big massive battalions, big numbers, lots of power, lots of personality, lots of presence, lots of flair, good health, natural abilities, superb qualifications, superb management techniques, and lots of outside advertising agencies. But here, this scripture tells us that it's different. And this morning, thank God it's different. For he chooses and selects this most unlikely place, Bethlehem, for the place of the birth of his son, Jesus. And I come back to this again. Never forget this, though thou be little. Matthew uses the word least. We need to be humble. We need to be lowly. 
And then we can take these verses and we make it personal. We make it applicable to ourselves. And this morning, I am telling you, God doesn't overlook us. I am not unknown. I am not anonymous to him. People would never look at me once, let alone twice. But here in this passage, it tells me and it tells you that even though man may not look at us once, God will and God does. And even better than that, he will look at us twice, three times, four times, five times, 60 times, 100 times, 200 times, as many as it takes, a thousand times. And he does that because though thou be little, though you be little, though I be little, though I be the least, though you be the least, out of me, out of you, out of us, he sees the potential. There's no measuring tape. We can chuck that away. He sees the potential. God's assessments are different from man's. God's assessments are not of the brain and what we're capable of and what we can do. They're not humanistic. They are spiritual and they are divine. That's the difference. They are spiritual and divine. Here's a sobering thought to you. God will and can use anyone, even somebody we don't like or don't even have the time of day for. Guess what? God can and will use them. Matters not if I don't like them. Matters not if you don't like them. God will and can use them as he can each one of us. <clears throat> Paul summed it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 to verse 29. It says, For you see your calling, brothers, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Notice at the beginning, he says, for you see your calling, brethren or brothers. It's not referring to any specific, special, priestly calling. It's not saying that you've got to be a minister. It's not saying you've got to be an elder. It's not saying you've got to be a pastor. What it's saying is, brothers, that's all of us, brothers and sisters, every single one of us. Never mind our situation, never mind our size, it will not restrict God and how he can use us. It will not limit him because he is the Lord God Almighty. And we come back to it again, and I want to, this is the emphasis I want this morning, is though you be little among the thousands of Judah, you are not lost from his sight. You are not forgotten. Because importance is not on size or human importance or power or greatness. It says, he's born in Bethlehem, the least. And this tells us that God despises nobody. And, again, to encourage us, you're never too old. 
you're never too young. The story of Jesus' birth, the prophecy and the recognition of it shows us that whether we're happy, whether we're grumpy, whether we're OAPs, whether we have walking sticks, whether we're feeble, whether we're frail, whether we feel we passed it, whether we're has-beens, whether we're at death's door, whether we're shy, whether we're extroverts, whether we're quiet, whether we're loud, He fulfills His plan of salvation through them kind of people, through us, through me, through you. Think about it. Mary, she was a slip of a girl by all accounts. Yet God used her. Most unlikely person. Zachariah and Elizabeth, a bit too old for kids really. But God performed a miracle. This morning, you are not worthless. You are not useless. God chose small, insignificant place in the community and it impacted on the world. It had a global reach. But it started from a local point. It had a global reach, but it started from a local point. And God is no different today. He still chooses the insignificant things of this world. So why not? Why not Chaldean Community Church? Why not you? Why not me? And here's the thing. It's not complicated. It's simple. It is not complicated. This is all we need to do. Love God. Love people. How easy is that? We can remember. Love God. Love people. Everybody is living for a purpose. You might turn out to be significant or insignificant depending on the kind of message you are feeding the world with. You will always feel insignificant if you never do anything to change the world or another person's life other than your own. I'll read that one again. You will always feel insignificant if you never do anything to change the world or another person's life other than your own. And then coming from another angle, is it the truth sometimes that perhaps we're not little enough to be used by God? And you say, well, what do you mean we're not little enough? Well, what I mean is that there are times when we become too big. We make ourselves too big to be used by God because we start to rely on ourselves. We start to rely on other things we start to rely on each other. And so at times, and we all do it occasionally, we make ourselves too big to be used by God. It comes back to being humble, being lowly, being the least, that we make ourselves small so that God can use us. There's so many examples of God using little things, the form of a baby, the loaves and fishes, a young lad, the bread and wine, David and Goliath, 
we could go on. The Great Commission, go ye into all the world, which includes our local places where we live as well. Go ye into all the world, mission, make disciples through praying, through caring, through sharing. Question to me as well as yourself. When was the last time you helped someone? Just ponder on that for a minute. When was the last time you helped someone? When did you last give something away? Another question. Is one a fisherman if year after year after year after year he catches no fish? Is one a fisherman if year after year after year he catches no fish? This morning, let's be encouraged. Little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. God is not looking for people of great faith, but for individuals who are simply ready to follow Him. Not looking for people with great faith. He's looking for individuals who simply are ready to follow Him. And with this I finish. As that great prophet, Nike, said, just do it. Just do it. Chowdeen. This is the final challenge. Chowdeen. Though you be little. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.